This is Localization Today, a podcast from Multilingual Media, covering the most relevant daily news in the language industry. Welcome, Spence Green, founder of Lilt. Thank you. It's been a while since I've seen you personally. I, I, I remember when you came into the industry and you made quite a splash with the purple booth, and it was actually a time where I think most of the branding was still green and blue, yeah, and you did the purple safer. thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to see you as well. It's good to be back. We haven't been to Lilt World in a couple of years, so it's good to be back here. Yeah, and Lilt was mentioned, got an award or a placement, like a top placement for innovative technology. Can you remind us where that was again? Yeah, it was Forbes AI 50, so some of these sort of AI company lists. Right, it was, yeah. it was Forbes, excellent. Yeah. And so that, to me, was an indicator that you were moving maybe outside of the space, yeah. outside of the localization space, which, which is, as we know, is, it's a little bit constricted. Yeah. Uh, it's also very familiar. Did it feel scary to break out of it? Because it feels like such a safe space to a lot of people that are in it. Yeah, well, I don't think we ever left. So we started this company because we had the ambition that all products and services should be available to everybody on the internet. And the only way that that can happen is if you use AI. And so that was our message from the beginning. And nobody was saying this in 2015, 2016. You remember in Lokworld in those days, it was the sessions were like, should we go on the cloud or should we not go on the cloud? Or should we do MT or should we not do MT? And these were like very controversial topics. And so our point of view was you use AI for everything. And I think that was, that was not a popular, that was kind of a contrarian point of view for a long time. And so we did two things. First of all, we added a services business. So we had to do the whole thing end to end. We started as a technology company. We became an LSP that uh, creates all of its own technology. And then the second thing that we did was we started moving to uh, businesses and groups uh, sort of outside of the traditional localization community. I, I should mention though, we have some really pioneering customers within this community who were doing AI five years ago. And so some of whom are at this conference today. And so I think those people feel really vindicated that the, the world has gone where it inevitably was going to go. It's just a question of how long. Yeah, and, and that's probably that the the attitude that you had since the beginning as well, since so when you when you came on about five years ago. Yeah. And the generative AI part of localization has been really obvious to a lot of people in the industry for the last couple of years. Do you feel that now, do, do you feel a difference in approaching clients and talking about how you're utilizing AI to give them a better service and or a better product? Do you feel like you get a different response, a better understanding? Yes, I think that is fundamentally transformed in the past year when, you, and you probably know this, at this conference for many years, a theme was, well, we, we only get noticed when something breaks. What's changed radically in the past year is C-suites are looking for generative AI use cases, and they all have uh, task forces set up to find these use cases in businesses and then use tools to solve them. And it turns out localization is a prime AI use case. That's been true for a long time. That's not, like nothing's really changed on that top, on that front. The point is that now it's in focus for executive teams. And so we have customers who are like getting emails from their CEO. And that has never happened before. People always kind of felt like localization never gets noticed. 
But now I think there are really two use cases for generative AI that are high impact and are happening right now. One is enterprise search. You'll be able to find stuff in companies, which is really hard to do right now. And we'll go beyond, we'll go to thinking about global content that like everything that a company produces, speech, video, text, will be available to everybody. And AI is able to make that possible right now. Uh, yes, and so we're in that we're in that curve right now. What do you project things are going to look like, and where do you project Lilt is going to fit into that picture in a couple of years from now? Well, what I'm really excited about is a couple of weeks ago we had a product launch. First of all, our team's amazing. We've done three major product launches this year. The product velocity is higher than it's ever been. We did we've done two launches of our AI our AI models that we build. But two weeks ago, we did a product launch of what we call the Contextual AI Platform, which is we expanded the platform that we build to integrate other AI systems. So you can use GPT-4, you can use Amazon, Google, Microsoft, whatever you want. And the thing that people are, it's essential to get these models to work is connecting them to enterprise data. So they're integrated with your enterprise data sources, and then you're learning from human feedback. So you're specializing them to each enterprise use case. And we had to build a lot of that tooling and, and software functionality for ourselves, for our own AI model, but then for running our LSP, basically. And so now what's really exciting is, whereas before, customers didn't really know that they needed that, now they know that they need it. They don't really know how to describe it yet, but everybody's going to need it. So we've opened that up now that everybody can buy it and use it. Whereas before, it was just really a subset of our customers that did that. It was financial services customers and public sector customers that already had internal linguist staff, and they needed software to orchestrate AI systems. Now everybody knows they need to do that. So instead of trying to explain to them what you're offering, they already know and they're asking how. Now they have the that, words to describe it. Right, right. So I really had fun picking these these covers from over the last 36 years and how the industry's developed, uh -huh. specifically around technology and how it's, how it's changed. We had one that said the hidden language features of Microsoft 97. You know, and then you go into computer-assisted translation, and then there's MT, then there's NMT, now there's generative AI, and just AI always being a part of the offerings. What's, what's next? What is after, what comes after AI as the most productivity-improving tool? What do you think, if you're looking into the future? I mean, this, it's impossible to imagine this is the end of the road, as we see. There's been so many, so many progressions. You know, I started working on language technology in 2008. When Google Translate came out in 2006, I got really excited about that. And I left my job, I went to grad school, I went to Stanford to start working on language technology. And in the past 15 years, I've never seen it move faster than it's moving right now. And I think it's, it's just hard to predict what's coming next. I think certainly a, a big area is a lot of content is going to move from the traditional workflow of creation, translation, publication, you know, just how things get created, whether that's videos or text documents or whatever, to those just being generated. Now, how that all plays out with how companies use that, how we resolve issues around the use of people's voices, 
all of that is yet to be worked out. Um, but I think we're entering a, a, a very both interesting and slightly scary world in which it'll be much harder to tell. Like even asking the question, what is real, is going to be a hard question to answer. And uh, do you think that that's also part of why uh, customers might be in enterprise uh, companies might be scared to change the process farther upstream in that source text creation because that's of course a big part of the that's a big push right now as well when we talk about how the operations go because it is so meaningful the language the global language is such a meaningful way to I mean, that's the voice of a company yeah. in all the different in all the different markets. So do you think that there's a lot of fear around that even when people understand AI and what it can do and how they can improve speed and also quality and also reduce price? Why are they still scared to get on board with some of these things? I'll give you an example. I was talking to a media company recently in the film industry and for them it's a lot. They just obviously just come off the writer's strike which had a lot to do with AI. Yes. And so there are a lot of upstream legal and copyright and contractual questions about how things are generated. That all have to get sorted out. But my sense is that outside of that it's more being held back by change management, just getting people in companies to adopt new tools and processes. That's really the, the thing that's holding back the broad adoption of these technologies more than concerns about generation or something okay. like that. Okay, that's that's a useful insight. I'll, I'll try to get some, some content in on that in, in future issues and hope to see you in future issues again as well. That'd be fun. The break just started, the ambient noise is picking up, so I think we're going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for putting this on. Thank you for listening to Localization Today. To subscribe to Multilingual Magazine, go to multilingual.com slash subscribe.